Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and our guest today is Jack Vanek. If you don't know Jack, she's one-third of The Lady Gang, one-third of The First Degree Podcast, and she is the CEO and head designer of her own fashion company, Jack Vanek. We talk with Jack about all her jobs, and then we dive into her emo past and how that shaped her reading habits. Remember, you can find everything we talk about on today's episode by clicking the link in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to the social media accounts of The Stacks and our guests. If you'd like to have myself and my guests suggest a book for you on air, email us at askingthestacks at gmail.com. You send us your name, what you're looking for in a book, and then we'll discuss it on air and give you something we think you should read. It's super easy. You just email askingthestacks at gmail.com. If you like this show and want to support the work we're doing, here are a few easy ways you can help. Join us on Patreon. You earn perks like our virtual book club and your contribution helps to keep the stacks up and running. It's a great way to connect with other listeners. And personally, it means a whole lot to me. So head over to patreon.com slash the stacks. Lastly, and perhaps most easily, and certainly the most free, you can subscribe to the stacks and you can leave us a rating and a review. It's so easy. It almost seems like it wouldn't matter, but it does. It really, really does. All right. Now that all that business is out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Jack Vanek. All right, you guys, we're here today. Our guest is Jack Vanek. Jack is a CEO of the Jack Vanek fashion and lifestyle brand. She's also super famous for being uh, one third of the lady (laughs) gang. And she's also one third of the first degree podcast, which is a true crime podcast. So Jack, welcome to the sack. Thank you so much for having me. I'm the final lady ganger to be on. So I feel good to be your last. Save the best for last. Better be the best. Yeah. Don't let us down. I won't. (laughs) Okay. We're going to start just, you know, at your birth. Tell us about yourself. Where'd you grow up? How did you become the first version of Jack, which is like the fashion Jack. Oh my gosh. Well, that wasn't actually the first version of the okay. Jack. The first version of Jack was an embarrassing emo kid. Start there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was born and raised in Orange County, California. <laughs> my parents still live in the house that I was born in, in Southern Orange County. Um, I grew up around like the OC housewives. Like that was like the uh, area that I grew up in. Okay. Um, I was a cheerleader in high school. And then when I was 16 years old, I went to my first concert and it kind of changed the trajectory of my life and what I was interested in. It was the first time I ever fall in, fell in love with anything. Oh my gosh. I loved music so much. I'd go to concerts all the time and then I would start kind of 
before blogging was a thing, I had an online journal and I like a like a live journal. I had a live journal. Of course. Did you have a live journal? No, but we're right in that age range that that was a thing. Oh yeah, an LJ. Yes, an LJ. There was Zanga. I remember those. (laughs) Oh, that was like even more of a um, niche kind of thing than live journal was. Um, So I had my live journal. I'd talk about making out with boys and bands and hanging out and partying. And I got like a pretty big following from it, um, turned to my space. And while I was in college, my mom was like, you need to help pay your way through college. So figure it out, go get a job or (laughs) do something else. So I came up with the idea of selling these bracelets with different kinds of words on them. The first word was ruthless. It was after one of my favorite songs and sold them in my backpack at concerts and on my MySpace page. And it kind of blew up from there and became the originating Jack Vanek brand. So, oh my God, what was the concert? The first one. The first concert I went to was Sugar Colt and Finch. They're both like emo bands back in the day. I and love- do you still love concerts? Oh yeah. I, I mean, well, my boyfriend's a musician, right? So I'm still going. I right. could, I can't escape it. It's just <laughs> part of my DNA now. <laughs> um, but I do. There's there's such a, like a nostalgia to it for me, and it was such a big part of my youth that. It, it makes me feel young still and it brings me like it makes my heart happy. Okay. But how did you decide to go from I love music. I love going to these concerts. I'm totally into this vibe, this scene to I'm going to sell bracelets here. Well, so I really just wanted to be a rock star like that okay. was I'm like, I want to be in a band. I want to travel the world. Do you I play wanna... any instruments. No. Do you sing? No. Okay have a terrible voice. <laughs> I played piano growing up, but okay. not well. Okay. And so I don't have any musical ability, but I was like, okay, I have a degree in design. I went to UCLA for graphic design and I'm like, and I have this following on the internet. So how can I become a rock star in using these two skills right. that I have basically? So right. it, there was no like, you know, mind-blowing reason why I started what I was doing okay. other than the fact that I was kind of boy crazy and I wanted to travel around the world and kind of do do things my way. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you start selling these bracelets. Did, were people receptive to you or were they like, who's this girl? Both. Okay. So like kids around the country, like my quote unquote fans, I guess you could say, like loved me. But anybody that was in the music industry was very skeptical because I mean, I was still kind of like making out with all these boys in the process. <laughs> so I was almost not let on tours because of that. And I wasn't taken seriously because of that and because I was just a girl in a boy's world you know girls aren't really taken seriously at all in the music scene um so I had a lot to prove but I wasn't going to stop making out with boys in the process you're like I'm happy to keep selling these things but I still have to definitely be making out yeah I'm like I'm not I'm here for the makeout yeah always here for the makeout but you know I ended up selling on the tours that I went on I'd be like the top seller in merch and I wasn't even playing music you know right where all these other bands were performing and their fans are coming so where were how were you like logistically where were you selling merch so uh, have you ever been to the warp tour before no have you ever heard of it no okay it's like a it doesn't exist anymore but okay. it was like a traveling punk rock music tour okay. it would go around the country okay. two months out of the year and um you know bands would play they'd have a bunch of stages and each band would have like a merch pop-up tent. i see so i had one of those like a 10 by 10 tent pop it up have my merch. but it was just like you and your bracelets just me and my bracelet and then I started making t-shirts and right. stuff but it was just yeah me and my merch and then you took the whole thing basically online you don't travel with Jack Vanek not anymore things anymore no and that was only like a few months out of the year it wasn't okay. all the time it was basically just my excuse to go travel okay. uh, but I'd make a lot of money doing it so it was right. awesome um but 
that I kind of started when e-commerce first was starting. Right. Amazon wasn't even really a thing when I first started selling bracelets. So I was selling them on my MySpace page. People would pay PayPal. It was all through email. <laughs> I'd ship them out of my parents' living room. It was very DIY. Um, but, you know, the more that uh, e-commerce sort of was evolving, I was jumping on that. And then I just took it all online. Has it? Obviously, it's changed, but like, is it easier now or harder now or so much easier? So much easier. Well, I do my stuff. Um, I print my stuff on demand now. So before I had to have, you know, a Stop. warehouse and inventory, which is terrifying and <laughs> employees and all this. And now I'm like a one man show again. So oh, wow. it's awesome. It allows me to do a bunch of other things, obviously, like Lady Gang and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's changed a lot and it's made it a lot easier for you know, people starting a brand to be able to do it where before it's like, if you didn't have money or manpower, it was pretty much impossible. Right. And what do you say to people now who are like, Jack, I want to start my own Tracy Thomas bracelets. I mean, anything to do with inventory. I'm like, don't do it. Okay. Holding inventory was the biggest nightmare. It, I mean, I have told the girls when we first started during, doing merch, I'm like, uh-uh, we can't do this because <laughs> you just sit on dead money for so long right. and you don't know if you don't have all these tools to figure out what people are going to be purchasing. It's like, you don't know. You're like taking a crapshoot being like, I guess I'll make 300 of these things and hope right. they sell. But, you know, chances are they won't. Mm. So it's a very, it's a very competitive business. E-commerce is so oversaturated now. Right. So it's... It's difficult, but you know, if you, if you have like the, the strength and you keep going through it and have thick skin and don't mind like sleepless nights and a lot of anxiety, then go for it. Have fun. Go do it. <laughs> yeah. Was any, did any of it come super easy for you or was it all just like in the beginning, just like terrifying um, besides the making out? Yeah. Well, making out's the best. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, I, I feel like I was very lucky. Like I didn't, you know, it's not like I was curing cancer or anything. Like yeah. I, I came up with a very simple idea and I was in the right place at the right time, especially like the right time in, you know, like internet fandom and all that kind of stuff. It was right. like the first wave of quote unquote internet celebrity. Right. And I just happened to be in it in our little like niche scene. Um, but I mean, I've worked my ass off and I've, you know, had a lot of trial and error and I've never really given up. So, um, and I've had a lot of setbacks too. Like it's, it's really easy to like look at somebody from the outside and be like, Oh, well, that's so easy for her to do all this. But it's like, you don't like with anything, it's like, right. you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Right. Cause it's not like you're posting on social media, like, Hey, this nightmare thing happened. Like my yeah. inventory went up in flames. Hey, like, like <laughs> did not make any money this year at all. Though right. it looks like I, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard world because, you know, even if you're making a million dollars, like maybe you're putting a million and a half in. So it's a, it's a hard business to get ahead in. And now that you're back to the one woman, you know, just you pushing your cart down the street selling selling bracelets. (laughs) Do you, do you like that being back to like super streamlined or do you miss kind of like the anxiety of all the rest of it? I don't miss the anxiety at all. I mean, now I have anxiety in different parts of my life and you know, it's It's like a vacuum. Yeah. And we're, we're doing like the same kind of thing with lady gang and with the first degree and you know, I'm starting a couple other things like on the side. So I, I have that like startup, like entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. um, spirit within me. So I'm always going to have anxiety. But the thing that I learned the most through the Jack Vanek business is to diversify what I'm doing and to not put all my eggs in one basket because that is what was causing me so much anxiety every night. Cause it's like, this thing could fail any moment. Like right. the, the market can change the, how things work can change. And I could be left with nothing. Like I've never had an investor. I've never mm. taken out a loan. Thank God. But like, I don't have, you know, the, the big guys like backing me up. It's right. just little old me. You. So yeah. it's hard. 
Okay. How did you become part of Lady Gang? Okay. So I've gotten, I know that <laughs> Becca and Kelty yes. kind of like started it. Yes. And then they needed another person. Right. But how are you, who are you? So <laughs> Kelty and I have a mutual ex-boyfriend. Oh, um, perfect. There's this band called Panic at the Disco. Uh, he was a guitarist back in the day, not in the band anymore. I dated him when I was 18 years old for three months. On one of these tours. Um, we actually met through Live Journal. Okay. He had a Live Journal and was stalking me. <laughs> and uh, just kind of met through that. It was before they kind of like blew up on like back in the day. Um we broke up and then he started dating Kelty. They dated for a few years. They're way more serious than us. They broke up and then her and I were kind of both in the same sort of scene, like orbiting each other, would run into each other every once in a while. And then when she came up with the idea to start Lady Gang, she's like, you know what? We need somebody cool. I know somebody <laughs> cool. <laughs> Called me out of the blue. Out of the blue. I'm like, who? Why is Kelty Knight calling me? Like, there is no reason for her to call me. Did you me. guys ever, like, hang out? Or no. was it always just like, oh, hi? Never hung out with her in my life. Did it, you even like her? Or were you like, that bitch stole my boyfriend? Well, no. I was over that at that time. Okay. Because that was, I don't know, it was probably like eight or ten years later. Okay. So, you know, we both had grown up by then. Got it. Um, when they were dating, of course, I was like, this stupid bitch. Like, I hope that their relationship crashes and burns, too. Um, and you got your wish. I know. And I did get my wish. Thank God for both of us. Um, but, yeah, we weren't friends. Like, we were okay. acquaintances, for sure. But, um, but I think that that's, like, a big reason why Lady Gang works. Is, like, none of us were best friends when we started right. it. And, you know, we started this on a very, like business level and at, even though we are super close now it always kind of has that underlying theme to like it like you guys are partners we're partners yeah. yeah partners first and you know friends second really right. so just so funny to think that she just called you like hey just now that i know kelty better it yeah. makes sense yeah like, of, of course. course like she yeah cold called me yeah but it was good because i was at a point with my brand where again it was the only thing that i was doing and i was like hit a plateau right. like mentally and professionally. And I'm like, I need something else to kind of put my time into. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Lady Gang came around at a really good time for me. And you guys had no idea what was going to become this. No idea. Because now Lady Gang's like a big thing. You're at the TV show. You have a network. You go on tour. Yeah, it's a whole thing. We started it thinking that it would be very celebrity focused. Yeah. And the guest would kind of drive everything that we would do. And we would sort of add color and throw questions out every once in a while and it's turned kind of inward where now all of our girls are really invested in our lives and you know we just talk about being a woman in general and I feel like people resonate with that even more so than sometimes if you get like an A-list celebrity. I remember when you guys first started because I was friends with Becca yeah she was like we're gonna start a podcast like what do you think because I was like the only person Becca knew who listened to podcasts because I really what were you listening to this is, the, this is truly how you'll see deep into my soul. I've been listening to this podcast called The Tony Kornheiser Show oh God. since 2010, January 2010. Okay. What is so it? It's a, used to be a sports radio show okay. and it's, it was for the first like seven years. And so it would, you'd get it a day late. He would record it for the sports on the radio in Washington, D.C. And then they'd put it on podcast the next day. Oh my God. Two hours a day. Because it's a radio show. They right. just take it. And I've been listening two hours a day to Tony Kornheiser, who is a 71-year-old <laughs> white Jewish man in Washington, D.C., talk about sports and just bitch about things. And it is he is truly my inner self. That's who I am. I am him. I that love is... sports and I love being crabby. That is so... <laughs> random yeah and i've been listening since so like when serial came out i was like ready for it yeah i listened to the first pilot i was like oh i'm ready for podcasts and everyone oh, yeah. else was like 
what's a podcast? That's like, how what's I was. this purple square on my on my phone? I'm like, like is it like old timey radio? Exactly. But I was like, no, I've been doing this for years. All my friends were like, how did you know about cereal? I was like, because I because it was three years into my yeah. You're like it was like my tenth podcast on yeah. my on my list, and there's only ten podcasts out there. Yeah. Becca was like, should we do a pod? Like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think it's a great idea. I'll have something else to listen to besides Tony Kornheiser. Like, it's great for me it's personally. It's great for me since there'll only be two listeners, like me and your parents. Yeah. Uh, that's so f- of Tony Kornheiser. Yeah. He's, is- if you've ever watched PTI, it's a sports show on ESPN. No. It's him and this guy, Mike Wilbon, and they're like two sports journalists and it's called Pardon the Interruption and they talk about sports stories. Huh. But he's been on the radio for years. He was a journalist at the Washington Post, at the New York Times. If you saw him, you would literally be like, what were, <laughs> like I was listening to him when I was 24. Right just casually weird it's so weird it's the weirdest show but i love it and i like can't start my day without it it's like that in the daily every morning two hours though now they're about 135 to 140 because now it's just a podcast right he left the radio so he kind of has more control over it but and you're st- every day still pretty much that's so funny i haven't listened yet today but it's, you better believe my ride home like, yeah you're like i can't i need sleep. to know what happened because <laughs> his his sports team his football team is the washington redskins and they played monday night football which was last night yeah. so i have to hear him talk shit because they lost really bad so i'm like you're like i need your commentary dude that is so funny it's the weirdest thing anyways (laughs) so lady gang happens blah 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 blah. you guys become stars you talk about lady things and celebrity things and all this stuff and then you also love true crime and i need to know how first degree happened (sighs) yes because that was really when i saw that i was like (laughs) this is a turn for me a twist well it's it could not be any different the subject matter could not be any different well tell people what it's about a little bit and then tell us how you got to it okay so the first degree is my other podcast and um my partner is lexus linkletter she's been my best friend for like 12 years oh, okay and then billy jensen who's an investigative journalist who wrote the book that we're going to talk about today um and we well okay so that's my podcast the premise of the podcast is to tell stories through the first degree perspective of somebody that's one degree away from the murder or crime that happens so we have really interesting um connections to crime like for our ted bundy episode the guy that was our first degree connection witnessed his execution. And then an episode that we did, just did recently, our first degree connection actually found the dead body. Oof. So it's, it, it's not told through the normal, like, blah, 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 wakes up. And then right. it's, it's not like a linear story. It's more so told through the eyes of that specific person. Right. Cause everybody has that story where it's like, Oh, my neighbor yep. ended up murdering someone. Well, the reason why we started it, well, we wanted to start the podcast, but we're like, we need, a hook because there's so many true crime podcasts out right. there. What's going to make us different? So we are kind of brainstorming ideas and um, Alexis and I were going back and forth about stories that we had connections to. Oh. And that's when we had the conversation where we were like, you know, a lot of people are connected to something whether, you know, how close or far, but have that story of the like a hometown murder right. or something that has happened that has affected them. My boyfriend was on our podcast and his story was um, one of his classmates was murdered by his mom. And for him, he wasn't super close with him, but his what he took from it, that was the first time he learned about death. Wow. So it was this, he, his, the first time he like ever experienced existentialism or <laughs> anything like that, you know? And he was nine. Wait, what? The mom murdered her son? It was so messed up. That's dark. Yeah, she, she strangled him and she, well, she was on meth. And she ended up strangling him. And then 
thinking that she was doing it for Jesus and it was Oh my this, god. Okay, I'm going to link to that episode in the show yes, notes. Yes, definitely. It's it's a crazy episode and it's just an interesting perspective because, you know, everybody kind of remembers when they learn about death for the first time and it affects you in such a like a profound way that still is with you as an adult. Right. So, um Holy yeah. shit. That's so. a really intense story. So yeah. I'm like I'm shook. Well, and it's but that one was crazy because there was nothing online about it and mm. Alexis has access to like all these newspapers mm. so that's how she gets a lot of her information and it's there was so much that my boyfriend didn't know and his mom didn't know like it's it's crazy the things that you can drum up oh my god yeah I can, I'm excited to talk about more about murder we're gonna do that on the next episode where we talk about chase darkness with me because I yes. feel like that kind of ties in but absolutely I'm like I'm I'm feeling creeped out <laughs> yeah taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay. So before we dive into your reading life, we do this thing called Ask the Stacks where someone sends in a question. They ask like for a book recommendation. Okay. I haven't prepped you, but this oh, one is totally going to be in your, in your wheelhouse, I think. Okay. So the person's name is Kennedy. Here's what she says. 
I'm looking for some nonfiction books that are a little under the radar. I specifically love true crime and know a concerning amount of information about certain cases. I can only get into nonfiction if there's personal stories or some kind of emotional connection. And she's looking for nonfiction books that maybe speak to like culture or society as a whole. Okay. Um, and so she said a few that she loved. She loved Columbine. She loved Bad Blood. She loved a book called Fall and Rise, the story of 9-11. And she wasn't super into Lost Girls, the unsolved American mystery. Do you know that one? No. It's about the um, Long Island killer. Serial or killer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lisk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll go first. I'll give some recommendations okay. if, you, if anything pops into your head. So okay. the first one I said, Kennedy, is kind of – it's not under the radar. It's actually like – huge right now it just came out like last week but since you said you like that 9-11 book there's a book that just came out called the only plane in the sky it's by garrett m graff and it's an oral history of 9-11 and it has a lot of personal connections because it's all people's stories from the day and it goes from people who were in the buildings to people whose husbands or wives were on the planes to oh george bush in air force one to people at the pentagon so it's like super personal connections oh my it's gosh amazing is it like an anthology so each like each story has a a little or no, they all tied together. It's all tied together. So it's like it'll be like the morning or like the night before and it's oh all gosh. these people like talking about the night before and then it's like the morning of and then it's the first plane and then it's in in Florida and then right. it kind of like takes you through the day chronologically oh my but gosh. people will just pop in and some people come in through the book a ton and some people are there just want for one moment. That's so interesting. It's so amazing. Um, it's really intense. So I just want to warn everyone the first third of the book is like your heart is like racing. Like I, I had, I was reading it at night and I had nightmares. So I woke up in the middle of the night to keep reading to get to a place where I felt better. <laughs> Does it ever feel better though? After the first third, it kind of like, because you know what happens on, you remember nine yeah. like 11 after the first, I guess it's 102 minutes. There's no more attacks and the both the buildings have fallen. Right. So it's kind of so like it does kind of calm down a little yeah. bit. But until the you aftermath. get to that point, you're kind of just like, oh, my God, there's more. Like, this is so terrible. Like, I know what's like you just feel like. Ooh. Yeah. But it's amazing, amazing, amazing. OK. Then the other two are less well known. This the second one is one of my favorite books. It's called A Thousand Lives by Julia Shears. It's about Jonestown. Ooh. But she does an amazing job of really focusing on the victims and the people who were there as opposed to Jim Jones. Yeah which makes a huge difference. It makes all the difference. And that is a big problem in, especially in true crime. Yeah. That it's like always about the bad guy. And like, I love a bad guy. Nicki Minaj, we love a bad guy. We you love know? a bad Chun guy. Chun-Li, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> but this book is, she does a good job of tel telling his story, but also telling like why someone would join a cult. So I have something to add to that. So we did a Jonestown um, series on our podcast and our first reconnection was Jim Jones Jr. Yes. So our story was kind of told through his perspective. Um, and a big thing that we we're pushing throughout that podcast was that message because I hate nothing more than when people say that, you know, only stupid people join cults or how yeah. weak do you have to be? It's like actually a lot of people that ended up joining cults are so intelligent, right. so educated, so well-versed and are looking for something bigger than themselves. Totally. And she does a great job in this book of being like, nobody joins a cult. Nobody's like, I'm going to go join a cult today. It's like you find people yeah. you, that you believe in or that are talking about things you believe in. Yeah. She also outlines like so much of the ministry of Jim Jones and Jonestown in the People's Temple was that it was a lot about like racial equality yeah. and civil rights and all this stuff. He was and, representing something yeah. good. And it was a community of black and white people living together. And Jim Jones Jr. is a black guy. Yep. Like he adopted a black kid and named, gave him his name. Like there's a lot about Jim Jones and what happened there that makes a lot of sense Absolutely. until the end 
when it <laughs> all of a sudden makes no sense and is very sad. Yes. Um, and then the last one is this book called The Lynching by Lawrence Lemer. And it's about um, a lynching that took place in 1981 in Alabama. But it's also about the history of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it kind of went under the radar a little bit, but it's a really great book. Um, tr- it has a true crime element about the lynching, but then a lot of history about the Southern Poverty Law Center and also the KKK. It was oh, like there, it's the, was the KKK's last like official lynching according to authorities that decide what an official lynching is. So it's, yeah. it's kind of like that part's a little iffy, but yeah, a little gray, but it's 1981. So it's pretty late in, wow. in the day. So those would be my three recommendations. Did anything pop into your head? So this one isn't, so my, one of the next books that I want to read is bad blood. I think, oh, have you so read good. it? Yeah, we did it on the show. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. 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 It looks incredible. And I love like a, a fire fest kind of yeah. like, it's a total mess. scam job. Yeah. Um, this one isn't under the radar, but I mean, it has to, it has a connection with Billy's book, but I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara. Right. Um, and that is like literally a personal account of her trying to catch the golden state killer um i haven't read it yet i'm gonna read it after i read or after we're i did finish this book but after (laughs) we talk about this that'll be the next book that i read probably before bad blood but um yeah i mean that's that's a good question yeah it's a good one i was really excited when it came in and then i was like oh i'm saving this until jack comes on because she'll she'll be into yeah and it's it's a lot easier to connect to something like that when you do have that personal storytelling element yeah. And it's hard. I mean, a lot of people say they don't like nonfiction, but I, I, my response is almost always like you're either not reading the ni- right nonfiction or yeah. you're not reading narrative nonfiction because so much narrative nonfiction is storytelling. It's just telling a true story. Right. It's like a good documentary versus like a boring documentary. Exactly. You know, so that's my feeling. Okay. We're going to talk about you now. Okay. <laughs> um, two books you love, one book you hate. Okay. So two books. I brought some books with me. Okay. Um, my favorite book in the entire world. I did not bring my favorite book in the entire world because it has a whole personal story okay. about it that I can explain. Yes. Um, is Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close uh, by Jonathan Safran So Ford. good. The 9-11. 9-11. Yeah. Um, I think that he is the most beautiful writer. Mm. And I love that he tells that story through a child's perspective, but with like the words of a like beautifully well-spoken adults. Like yeah. I think it ties those two things together really, really well. Um, and then my other favorite book is Catcher in the Rye. And it's funny because I had, this is my copy from when I was in high school. It's oh like God. beat to shit. Um, <laughs> and it's all like marked in. Wait, and I'm like, going to take a picture of you holding it right now okay. so that I can put on the social media and see her little Catcher in the Rye. Okay. Got it. So, um, I I loved reading in high school. I can explain that story later too. One of my teachers just made me fall in love with reading. You can explain it now. Okay, we'll so skip that one later. Cool. Um, so my uh, sophomore AP English teacher, her name was Mrs. Nusman. I'm still friends with her today. She was like the she was like the Tuesdays with Maury teacher that right. changed my entire life when mm-hmm. I was a kid. She was the first teacher that I ever had that loved teaching. She loved the kids. Like she had such a passion for connecting with people. Um, and when she would introduce every book, it would be, we'd walk into the classroom and she'd like have a whole like setup and she'd be in a costume, like for Lord of the Flies. She like dressed up like she was on the Island. Wait, what year were you? Uh, this is when I was a sophomore in high school. So I was like 16. Um, but that's when I read The Catcher in the Rye and it was like the first book that I really fell like deeply, deeply in love with. So, but I lost the copy of this and I was desperately trying to find it. And I was searching everywhere at my parents' house. And then one day I just went in my room and it was sitting in the middle of my room. It was like one of those like glitches in the matrix Weird. where it just showed up like out it was of nowhere. There all along. Yeah. 
And wait, why don't you have the copy of Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close? Okay. So um, I have it. It's at my house. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was... It's my favorite book of all time. Same thing as like I had written in it and marked in it. And um, when I was like in my early 20s, I had lent it to like one of my best friends in the entire world. And he read the whole book and then sent it back to me. And he knows how much I love like notes and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So he had like written all in it, wrote all of his notes, wrote me a letter in the back. And um, a few months ago, he passed away. Mm-hmm. And so now my friendship with him kind of like lives in, in that, that book, book. because yeah. that's like all I have left of him. Right. But I haven't brought myself to like actually open it yet. So I like left it at home because I'm like, I don't want to, and I don't want to lose it. No, of course. It's my most prized possession probably ever. Oh my God. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just, it's, it's such a wonderful book and I would be so bummed if I ever lost it or yeah. this one. So you are a writer, a person who writes in books. Oh my God. I love it. Uh, all in. All in. Okay. I think, I mean, there's so much books are so personal Mm -hmm. and they're such a personal gift Mm -hmm. and you put so much of yourself into a book when you're reading it. And I think to kind of, you know, even like highlight or underlight or market, it's like, you're kind of giving a little bit of yourself to it. So I think that it's just such a special thing. I love that. I never write in my books. You don't? No, but I love a used book, especially if there's like notes or something in it. Yeah. So I, part of me is like, maybe I should just start writing in my books just so that when I give them away that I'm like, leaving that joy for someone else to find i just think it's such a little it's such a like little joyful spark that's in a book it's true i did i had my copy of beloved i got is um used and the person who wrote it before me was using like a purple pen and it was really annoying to me though (laughs) i was like why do you have a purple pen like who is this person (laughs) like how old is it a gel pen (laughs) like what's happening one of those sparkly jelly rolls or something no well i love it i used to give get all my books used because i would hope for that like i'd hope that i'd get a book that has like a phone number or something yeah or like a note to somebody else that you know it gives a gift i just think it's such a i love that such a personal touch yeah that's one of the that's the best part of used books yeah um what about a book you hate I was trying to think about a book I hate. Like I am a very uh like a fair weather reader, I would get I'd say. So if I don't like a book, I just put it down. Yeah. You don't even like, get to the place of like no, I hate this. Like I and it you know what sucks is I don't read as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. And I think that being on your podcast is gonna really like inspire me to read more. <laughs> but um so if something's not like completely like gathering my attention, I'm like, eh. Yeah. Whatever. What made you stop reading as much? Um, just getting busy. Uh, and I don't know, once I get out of a habit of something, it's kind of hard to get me back into it, but I am really enjoying audio books because it's just basically like a podcast. Yeah. Uh, but then you can't really write in your audio book. It's true. A good audio book, like a well narrated audio book is really great, but a not well audio narrated audio book is, Oh no, it's terrible. Oh God. Is that like, do you think if it's just like a bad badly spoken author um no sometimes maybe but i think it's also like if the reader's voice is like too pretentious Mm. you know if they're like then mother took me to the store oh gross you know and you're like okay like relax yeah you need to like actually enjoy the person yeah you need them to have like some energy right behind it do you have any favorite audiobooks you've listened to i just started listening to this one for the first time oh yeah this is my first one and it's billy so it's like i already i talk to him all the time and he reads it right he reads it yeah he narrates it i think it's really good when it's nonfiction if the author can read it most of the time unless it's like super nonfiction and the author is like not a good speaker but right. Billy talks right a lot for he, his life yeah and if it's a 
personal story like that, it's like that obviously comes through yeah. rather than some stranger, I guess, reading yeah, your words. Totally. Um, what's the last really great book you've read? <sighs> One of the best books that I read recently, which is random, is I went to the Dolly Museum outside of Barcelona. Uh -huh. I was just in Barcelona. Um, and I just bought the book to go along with all of his works, uh, that were in that museum. And it was incredible. He's my favorite artist of all time. Yeah. So it was super interesting to kind of learn all of his wacky, wacky. He's mind. a weird dude. Weird dude. Yeah. Weird dude. But like decent dude, like not, not weird, a bad guy. Not that I've seen. I kind of did that because I was like talking about how much I loved him. I'm like, I need to make sure that he hasn't right, like, done he anything bad. <laughs> So nothing that I have found, but he's just a weird, a weird guy. And I, I enjoy the quirkiness. Right. Okay. You told us what you're looking forward to reading. Um, so how do you pick your next book? Like, how do you decide what, do you like read about things? Do you just wait for a friend to tell you this is it? I take like recommendations or, you know, like online now it's like if you're in Facebook groups, especially right. like in the true crime ones, like if anybody is, if you keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again, that's how bad blood was and right like, god i need to freaking read this now oh my god. had you not heard about the story before no oh my god i just heard it was like the fire fest of silicon valley <laughs> oh yeah well i think it came it came before fire fest <laughs> yeah but that's how people are like describing it yeah oh my god such a scam i can't wait i, I can't love, wait to hear what you think I love a it's scam. <laughs> so good and there's like documentaries about her and stuff and yeah. there's a podcast oh there is yeah it's oh. there's a podcast and then there's a documentary on hbo or something and then Jennifer Lawrence is going to play her in a scripted version. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Jesus. Which is why I'm like, wait, you didn't hear about it until after Firefest? No. Oh my God. It's everywhere. That's so funny. The book is really good. The guy who wrote it is the journalist who broke the story. Oh, really? So it's really good. There is one part in the book where he's like talking, 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 and then he's like, then I come in. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's like, excuse me. Like, it's the one part of the whole book where I was like, this is a nightmare. You're like, uh, -uh this is why. No, I don't yeah. like a different narrator. Please. Yeah, it was something like, it's like, and then he called a journalist that he knew he could trust. That's and then it was me. like, the start of the next chapter is like, so I got an email from Bob. <laughs> like, okay, John Kerry. We were like, like you know, know, you've been waiting for this moment to be yeah. like, and then I save the day. Like, Do you know who the hero of this story is? This guy. That is so funny. <laughs> now, when you get to it, you're going to be like, oh, that's like, the moment. That's the moment. Um, what's a book that you like to recommend to people? Um, what did I have on my list? Let me open up my 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 notes. Um, 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 I mean, I always recommend Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. And then, I mean, I always I'm a huge Bukowski fan. Okay, only of poetry. Okay, I don't like his his like stories. Are you into poetry normally or just? I like poetry. Yeah, I was a big poetry fan when I was when I was younger. But um, Bukowski can go like great, and then terrible in my mind. So um, I like I like recommending his his books. And then um, God, what else did I have to recommend to people? Um, I love like all the classic books that we read in high school. You do. You're like the only person ever to ever say that. Really? On show. Yeah. Oh, like I love like a 1984, or, like a Lord of the Flies or stuff. Like okay. That. Not or, classic, classic. No, I mean, not like the Russians. Oh, no, no. I mean, just like kind of like the, the literary, like English class books. Got it. Like, yeah. The one, yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird. To Kill Mark, yeah. Great Gatsby. Yes. All of those. Did you actually read them in school? I did. Well, Because you had that teacher. I had that teacher and she made it fun. Um, yeah, because you're the only person ever said that. Most people say one of those books for the books they hate. Really? Like, yeah. Like what? Like which ones? Well, Catcher in the Rye comes up. Uh, yeah. Catcher in the Rye is polarizing though. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a big fan of it. But I also read it late. I read it at like 22 or 23 <laughs> on my own. 
And I feel like, yeah. I feel like if you're not 16, that's why it like, it hits your angsty teenage yeah. soul when you're reading it. And right. I feel like you identify with Holden more than you would as an adult. Cause now it's, I'm sure if I read it again, I'd be like, he's such a whiny little bitch. Yeah, exactly. I was like, who's this child? I'm not interested <laughs> in you. Thanks for playing. Um, but it's all of those books have been said. Most of those books have been said as hate or love yeah like well, it, they're very they're all kind of poor and i think it depends on your teacher yes and when you read it and the and connotation it, yeah, yeah it and has, like how you had to write about like i think there's a lot in the way that books are assigned in school and how that can affect yes like how happy you are when you read it yeah another book that i love that's kind of in that vein but i don't i think i read it in high school but i don't remember a lot of other people reading it as a separate piece did you ever read that i didn't read it it's so good it's the same it's like a coming of age tale mm-hmm. um with two boys that are at a boarding school, but it, one of your questions was like, what are your, what's one of your favorite characters? Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's this character Phineas in that book. That is one of my all time favorite characters in any novels. And so much so that I'm like, Phineas, should I name, name my first child mm-hmm. that, <laughs> but it's, it's like the, the, the nicer version of Catcher on the Rye, I guess, okay. to my, in my mind. I've never read it. I know people, I know people do read it in school, but it's not quite as common as like, yeah like yeah. a great gatsby kind yeah. of thing great gatsby and to kill a mockingbird i feel like are the two Everybody that are almost reads. always and then there's some combination of like the rest of them right um but neither of those books did it for me yeah what was your favorite book in high school did you have any of those books that you liked <sighs> to be honest i really didn't read a lot in high school you didn't i didn't like reading in school i didn't like being told what to read which is why yeah. my first ever book club besides the one that i had with one other friend which just us reading the same book was the podcast interesting i don't like to be told what to read yeah i don't i don't i really dislike it and it basically makes me not like a book from the beginning i'm like i don't like this someone else told me i had to do it um, <laughs> so how do you find your books not the recommendation myself um i don't know i go to bookstores i do i i'll take a recommendation from like a stranger and i'll take a recommendation from a friend but i won't like i could never be in a book club because i would be excited to read the book that I brought to the table, but then you have to wait like six months while everyone else in the book club brings their Before stupid book. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to read, you know, no offense, but like, I don't really want to read um, Jodi Picoult. Like, right. I'm just not into that. And right. I appreciate you, Karen, that that's the book that you want us all to read. But like, I'm not going to be here that month. <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is not for me. So like in high school, we were assigned Malcolm X and I didn't read it in high school. And I, I read, read it afterwards. I, it was an African-American history class. Yeah. I don't think most people have it in their like normal English class. Oh, yeah. But I didn't read it at the time. And then I read it after the fact. And it's like one of my favorite books. But I couldn't read it at the time. I like started and I was like, this book is garbage. Yeah. Like, what does he know? And now I'm like, my hero. <laughs> did you Sparks notes when you're in high school then? Or how did you even get I through class? Know. I did good. I did fine. I was a straight A student. I don't even remember. I must have read sections and like I paid attention a little bit. Yeah. Enough to enough yeah. to scoot by. And like, you know, they read aloud in class sometimes. They'd be like, yeah. hey, read this scene. I don't know. I must have spark noted. I, <laughs> I love I was notes. fine. I got into NYU, okay? I was really smart. Everybody relax. I'm not an idiot. I swear to God. I just swear. don't tell me what to read. I was good at school. Yeah. Even though I didn't do the work. Like I under I figured out school. Yeah. 
without have like without some people don't figure it out so they do all the work like i figured out how to make school you figured out how to cut corners yeah correctly like i learned how to do school yeah it's basically how you learn how to like take an sat test it doesn't mean you're like right yeah i couldn't learn that part i'm terrible at standardized testing i barely could either i swear i'm smarter than my score on this test well maybe i thought i was smart because i was getting good grades but i actually didn't know any of the information because i was like cheating in school but whatever this isn't about my academic this is about your reading stop mom i swear i did great in school i appreciate my education i wasn't cheating i promise i promise i promise um are there things that you wish were different about your reading life uh yeah i wish i read more yeah um it's i just i'm so add when it comes to reading Mm. and as i get older i feel like once i sit down to like start reading a book i start thinking about like the million other things that i need to do so i think that that's a conscious thing that i need to work on yeah um when i was younger I, I mean, almost every night I would sit in bed and I would have like a glass of scotch and then I'd put on like record. It was all part of my... I was picturing like an eight-year-old you and then you said scotch and I'm like, okay, she doesn't mean that young. You never know. Uh, no, I mean like in my early 20s. Got it. Um, that was kind of my my thing. And I would I'd read and write kind of at the same time too. I was like really big and writing when I was younger on my stupid typewriter. I was so emo. Oh my God. I love it. You're, and you were reading your poems. Yeah. I was writing my poems. I was, <laughs> I was reading Bukowski. I was like trying to like live it, you know, I'm like, I'm going to change. I don't, I just, I don't know. I was very brooding when I was younger. So I think that was like part of my thing where I was identifying through like all these things that I was doing. Um, and then I've just gotten, you know, like as I've gotten busier, when I've gotten older, I just, it's easy to make excuses not to right. kind of, cause that's like a form of self care, you know, with reading a book and having a glass of wine and right. just feeling comfy and lighting a candle. So I, for me, I think it needs to be more of like a conscious thing that I practice rather right. than, you know, something that I'm sort of like, I don't know, like feeding my like weird, like right. emo ego. Do you, are you like a goal oriented person? Um, not like a Kelty. <laughs> literally that's who popped in my head when I said that uh her and I could not be more different okay um I I'm more scattered and like uh yeah more scattered than she is um I'm goal oriented in like in different ways though okay just more of like an um like uh what's the word I'm looking for abstract way okay okay <laughs> I've never heard that but I'll take it and is reading with a candle and a glass of wine is that your ideal reading setup yeah or you know on a beach would be nice okay. like with a, like a margarita always a drink in hand okay. i feel like very need. important i'm not a morning reader like i've okay. always been a nighttime reader um, you don't fall asleep um no i can't fall asleep at all regardless oh, okay so i'm not one of those people that like you put a book in front of them and you're like that's me if i Is read it? at night i fall asleep so when do you read and just all throughout the day just never at night. i set like timers for myself i'll be like okay i have 45 minutes i'm gonna read for 30 of them and i'll put my phone in airplane mode i'll set a timer oh. and i'll read for 30 minutes see i think i need to do something like that because yeah. in my mind I'm, if i get a text and then i'll scroll on instagram yeah. i think that yeah, like our society is, it, we're just so used to having so many things coming yeah. at us that I, it's, it's hard to focus, but that's why I'm like, I was really enjoying the audiobook because at least I can do that. I commute a lot. So yeah. it's like, I can do it when I'm driving or when I'm cleaning. Yeah. So it's more, you know, you don't have to stop everything that you're right. doing. To- no, totally. I, I audiobook in the shower. If I'm not podcasting, if I'm not listening to a podcast or cooking dinner, folding laundry, just like a good thing. Yeah. I like that. Good way to like fill up my time, especially because I'm like, I have a million books to read. Like, I know. So I, excuse me, I use it to kind of 
fill in those gaps. Yes. Um, oh, how do you organize your books? So I have a bookshelf okay. and I've organized them by color. Me too. Really? People are super judgy about it, but you know what? Go fuck yourself. How like mine are just in so I have like a like an off white chunk, I have a black chunk, I have a blue chunk and then I have like a like a naturals chunk. Okay. Which sucks cuz then some of my favorite books I have kind of tucked away in, in the naturals. In my, no, in oh. like my credenza. Oh, okay. Cuz I'm like the cover's ugly. Oh. So it's all they're all by like the cover, but um I don't know, it's like that's how I've organized them because it's very it's hard to organize books and have them look like clean and I chic. Agree. I like them to be col- I like the color thing and people get very upset about it. Don't at me. I don't care. That's how I organize my book. Why? Like what's the what's the beef? So there is well people think that it's like oh if you organize them by color you don't care about what's in the book. Oh my god. But I'm like no, I just also care about how my house looks. Yeah, it's more of an aesthetic thing rather yeah. than, yeah, I have some books up there that I'm like, oh. Like, I don't go out book. and buy books that have a green spine for my green section. Right. Like, because there are, you know, like if you go to the last bookstore in yeah, yeah, yeah. downtown, yeah. there's like all those shelves of like old books where you can just buy like for a dollar. Just for like the, the color. Yeah. I don't do that, but I don't put an orange book next to a purple book because Ugh. that hurts my eyes. Yeah. No, that's how I am too. <laughs> yeah. All of my books are books that I've had like for a long time. Yeah. I, I'm totally for it. But I think some people feel like you don't, you're not respecting the book, but I think if you organize a book by alphabetical, by author's last name, why is that any different? That doesn't no. necessarily say what's in the book. If you organize your book by category, I will give you that because I, I do like feel that. like that's like, okay, You've taken the time to really organize your book. You're making yourself your own library. Yeah, exactly. But if it's if you're just doing alphabetical by last name, what's the difference? Yeah. It's just as arbitrary. I feel like if, if, if you're using books as decor, which is what I do, but again, yeah. it's like it's books that I have right. and love and have read. It's, I mean, you're kind of going for aesthetic. Yeah. Rather than Well, your whole, I mean, my whole house, I'm going for aesthetic, right? right? Like, I want my house to feel like the right vibes. Why would I all of a sudden then be like, but I don't care about these books. Right. And I don't know, maybe because I'm very type A, I like things to be organized in that way too. And I think some people just don't care about, like, that doesn't bother them. Like, some people like a more, like, funky aesthetic, and that's just not me. My whole house is white. Like, it's very... Oh, yeah. Then you have to be... That's how I was too. Like, I'm very... My decor is very minimalist. So I'm like, I need these things to look like that's in their spots, and then nothing is out of place. And I don't want the colors going all... I can't have a... Like, I have this bright green book with me right now. I'm like, that doesn't have a place anywhere. So that's going in the credenza. Yeah. Like, not My happening. bright colored books are in the guest room. <laughs> yeah. But they're also color. They, like, kind of go, like, red, orange, yellow, green, blue. Like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm a little type A. I got a little Kelty in me. As they I know. Say. <laughs> Not full Kelty, but I, a little Kelty. I don't think that uh, you could have a book club podcast without having a little Kelty in That's you. Correct. Like, I couldn't have a book club podcast. I mean, you podcast. could. It just might not be like that good. No. <laughs> you might not read suck. any books. No. You, you just put out an episode like every like six months. I'd be like, oops, forgot again. I got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs a little Kelty. I know. Um, oh, what's the last book that made you laugh? Um, so I was trying to think of this. I was looking at the books that I had. Um, Adam Carolla wrote this book a mm. while ago that was called In 50 Years We're All Gonna Be Chicks or something like okay. that. It's just, it's kind of like his random anecdotes through life, but he is such a fucking hilarious writer and just writes how he talks. Right. So that book was hilarious. Um, I'm not like a huge, I don't really, 
read a lot of like comedy driven books. I'm not shocked by this now learning about your emo past. Yeah. Makes, makes sense that you wouldn't. Like but, I love, I love comedy. I love like right. stand up and stuff, but I, I, I'm never really drawn. Like I've never really read a Chelsea Handler or any of those kind mm-hmm. of books. Me neither. Though but now I, she's serious. Yes. A Chelsea Handler and her, her, yeah. her actually comedy days. Drunk, funny Chelsea, not yeah. new, not new woke Chelsea. Which is funny because we're, I mean, we're reading a book for the lady gang and it's all you know, it's comedy driven. Right. So it's interesting that I wouldn't really be drawn to those kind of books. But Lady Gang, that's the that, tone of Lady Gang. Exactly. It would be weird if you guys were like a super serious, like, oh my God. to those we've lost. <laughs> and like, like, whoa, what happened? So now we're writing a drama. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the last book that made you cry? Um, Daring Greatly, okay. uh, Brene, Brene Brown. Brown. Yeah. I mean, incredible writer, incredible story. And her whole, you know, vulnerability just like always like hits me in the chest. I've never Brene browned. Like you don't like her? I've just never tried it. Really? I just never. It's never been in my. You world. should watch her TED Talk. Her TED Talk is like what brought me like into absolutely loving her. So people who are listening right now to the podcast are going to be like, did you just have this conversation two weeks ago with Jenna? And I'm going to say, yes. You did? Did she bring that up <laughs> Jenna too? brought up Brene Brown. I said, I've never read Brene Brown. Jenna said, well, you should start with one of her TED Talks. <laughs> so, Well, that's probably the way that we all got pulled in. Because, yeah. I mean, her TED Talk has gotten, it has probably right. 20 million views right. on it. And she's an Oprah person. And I love Oprah people. So yeah. it's just, there's no reason I haven't. She just speaks very candidly and very, <laughs> like, to the, it's just like as heart-wrenching in the most um, human way, I guess. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Maybe we'll do a Brene Brown on the show. You should. Um, what's the last book that made you angry? <sighs> oh, I have it with me. So this is so not like usually in my uh, wheelhouse. So there's this book called Psychopath Three. I dated mm-hmm. a psychopath, and when we broke up, I was so lost and confused and just like broken to the core because I'm like, what the fuck happened? Because it's like a whirlwind of a situation. And while I was researching what like what happened in our relationship, I came across this book and it's basically, Mm. it's recovering from emotionally abusive relationships with narcissists, sociopaths and other toxic people. And, um, the book made me angry, not because I hated the book, but I literally, this is my second copy of the book because I threw the first one away because I was so (laughs) mad at it. Um, but I literally underlined and highlighted every single line in this book because it was the, it, it was textbook to oh my to my ex and l- what our relationship was. Um, but I, like I said, I had to get rid of it because I'm like, I can't even have this energy around me. Um, but now I'm researching for a potential podcast that I'm doing um, about psychopaths. But love that made me very angry. But a very good book for anybody that has um, left an emotionally abusive relationship. I love that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. What about a book that made you a book where you felt like you learned a lot? So this is funny too. I was like going through all my books. So there's this book called exploring the world of lucid dreaming. I don't know. That. When I was younger, I, uh, was super into lucid dreaming. I don't even know what that is. So lucid dreaming is basically, um, like realizing that you're awake in a dream. And oh. once you realize that you're dreaming within the dream, you can kind of control your entire dream and okay. do anything you want. So Whoa. you can fly, you can, you know, make your, the love of your life show. It's, it's very interesting, okay. but there are all these like exercises that you can practice to teach yourself how to lucid dream. So that book is basically sort of like a manual, but also, you know, different anecdotes of people and what they've 
use lucid dreaming for in their lives. Like there's some people that have, it's given them confidence in job interviews or it's helped them make decisions or it's helped them healed relationships through kind of taking control of your subconscious almost. Okay. Um, so that book was really interesting. Um, and then there was another one, but I forget what it was, but that book's amazing. Are there any books that you're embarrassed that you've never read? <sighs> there was, so, what was the one? There's a, a high school book that I never read that I was like, which book was it? Was it Pride and Prejudice? I think. Uh, yeah, Pride and Prejudice. Never read, but I feel like that's the book that everybody has read in high school. I read it after high school. Did you? Yeah, yeah. it's not really for me. Not, not really. I don't think house. it's going to be for me either. Yeah, I don't think you have to do it. <laughs> um, there's no lucid dreaming in there. No, I bet not. None at all. Okay, so you have this great teacher in high school. She makes everything amazing. Now, flash forward, Jack. You've decided your third act is going to be. As a teacher, what's a book that you're assigning in school? Um, okay, so this is funny because I was looking at that question. And this is like, it's not really like a book that I feel like high schoolers should read. But I think it's an interesting book for everybody to read. And it's Men Are From Mars, Women Are, Women are From okay. Venus. Because, and it was written in like the 50s. Yeah, it's really old. Super old. I read it a long time ago. Like I read okay. it in my early 20s when I was going through a different relationship. Okay. And, and I'm sure it's super outdated and probably misogynistic now. Right, right. However, it deals with like the communication styles of men and women. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much having like being like, okay, why is my partner acting th this way? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's an interesting thing for men and women to read probably maybe like an updated version of it. Yeah. That will like maybe throw out the fact that like, well, the woman is in the kitchen. Right, right. <laughs> but the general ideas of how men and women communicate are really interesting and how to sort of navigate that, um, I think is something that everybody could learn from. Yeah. Um, but other than that, um, I, like I said earlier, I loved a separate piece. And I think that that is an interesting book that everybody should and would enjoy reading in high school. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not going to ask you who you want to write the book of your life since you guys are writing your own book. <laughs> yes. Lady book. It's like, when is, do, they, do people know when it's coming? Uh, sometime next summer. Okay. Yeah. Exciting. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. I think we're going to have all three of you guys on oh, together. Yes. Absolutely. It's going to be a shit show. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have a hard time wrangling you all in. I'm going to have to do it on a lady gang show so Kelty can host because I don't know if she's going to give up. It's like the view. Yeah. Like, you can't get Barbara Walters not to take over. Yeah. You, know? you can't interview Barbara Walters. <laughs> well, it's so funny because I was reading uh, like because we the way that we wrote the book is like there's a collective lady gang voice and then we each have our own chapters or our own essays that we write about. Right. And reading Kelty's I'm like, this is just she's so Kelty. All of her stories are so freaking Kelty. Right. It's embarrassing, but like in the best way possible. Oh my God. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Okay. Last one. We always do this one. If you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would it be? Emotional intelligence. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. All right. That's great. Next week, we're going to be back with Jack. We're talking about Chase Darkness with Me by Billy Jensen. It's a true crime book kind of meets memoir. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think there's going to be spoilers next week. I don't think that there's really much to spoil in the book. So if you haven't read it, I think you're going to be safe to listen. But if you're one of those people that doesn't like to know anything, there might be some slight spoilers, which is all to say, go out, get the book. It's out in the world. You can find it everywhere. Go to your library, whatever you need to do. But Jack, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yay. And we will see you guys in the stacks. Thank you all so much for listening today. And thank you to Jack for being our guest. Jack is back next Wednesday to discuss Chase Darkness With Me by Billy Jensen. 
Find everything we discussed on today's show by clicking the link in the show notes. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out the website, thestackspodcast.com. Remember, get your book recommendations read on air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. To join The Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. And make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirages. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. 